Welcome to this edition of the General Manager Podcast. My name is Aaron Thomas, also known as Native Seahawk on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, the General Manager Podcast. And man, what a amazing game. Ah, I wouldn't say amazing. It was a really good game. Yesterday, Saturday in LA, well, Carson, California, as the Seahawks traveled to Carson to play the Los Angeles Chargers. And I have to say, first of all, that that stadium has probably got to be one of my favorite stadiums in all of the NFL just because of how intimate it is. There is no third tier, uh, you know, stadium. It's just a one tier bottom floor wraparound stadium. And so it feels really, really intimate. And I thought it was really interesting how the L.A. Chargers team, I mean, all the ones that put the game on, had to do what they had to do to try to educate these brand new NFL fans that have probably have never rooted for a team in their entire lives, especially the millennials. I mean, when was the last time that the Los Angeles teams were in LA? And, you know, they're like, well, I guess we'll go for the Bolts, the Chargers, because I like their colors. <laughs> and it was interesting because the PA announcer, the public address announcer, did a little bit of, you know, commentary while he was doing his public address. And instead of just saying, you know, and that's enough for a Chargers first down, he would say, and that extra push was able to get him another three or four more yards for the first down. Or, you know, and and what a great defensive pressure that was on the line. Way to go, Chargers. You know, I see you, you know. (laughs) So I thought it was pretty interesting that they're doing what they can to try to educate this fan base, you know. So it's kind of a, a lopsided thing when it comes to, you know, we're talking about two NFL fan bases that one's brand new and then there's stuff like, you know, fans like us that are very established and have been going to games probably since we were, you know, for the last 20, 30 years. And so we know when to cheer. We know when we should be standing in our feet and yelling, you know, when the defense is out there and then when the offense is out, you stay quiet. And it was interesting to see how this fan base was really just trying to figure it out throughout the game. And they, you know, of course, they thought we were obnoxious. Uh, and, you know, yelling, and why are they yelling so much, and why can't I just sit here in peace? <laughs> so 23-15, to 15, the Seahawks win, and it is kind of weird not to have, or to, to be able to have my voice the next day. Normally when I go to a Seahawks game, you know, of course, we're, we're cheering uh, on defense and losing our voices. And so later on in this podcast, I'll talk a lot about what uh, I saw in the first three games of the preseason and how... That's going to reflect on the first four games of the regular season. And, you know, there's a lot of different uh, trends that I saw that I'm, I'm happy about. There's some trends that I saw that I'm not so happy about and, and very concerned. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's get into uh, the headlines around the NFL in terms of things that have happened since last week and the last time that we talked. And last Saturday, or last weekend, last Sunday, we played in Minnesota. And of course, there was a concern with Marquise Blair. And I don't believe I saw him yesterday in the game. And he was carted off the field with what uh, coaches said were back spasms. And so, of course, it was enough to, to keep him out of week three of the preseason. And so, but, you know, last last week, you know, what I, who I thought was really good, of course, excellent, was Wilson, Puna Ford, and Ugo, and Myers. And then against the, the Vikings, who surprised me, was Travis Homer. 
uh, who underperformed last week was Ferguson. You know, of course, he had a kind of a, a bad game uh, against Minnesota, and then Rashad Penny. Um, but again, we'll talk about what happened in yesterday's game if those guys were able to to step up the ones that underperformed. Uh, in other news around the NFL, and, and again, last uh, game against the the Vikings, I was really impressed with Irv Smith Jr. I, I posted that I thought he's legitimate. I think that uh, I don't know how he did this week, but I expect big things from Irv Smith Jr. And, and regardless of Seattle missed him when they were trying to cover on that one red zone play where they scored, uh, where Minnesota beat uh, the, the defense there. And whether or not that was a miss play by our defense, I still think Irv Smith takes up a lot of space. And he's going to be someone we're going to have to really, you know, uh, keep our eye on going forward. And other news around the Seahawks camp, uh, Liz Matthews, our friend Liz, reported this week that Ethan Posick's flexibility is continuing to impress the Seahawks. And, you know, Demetrius Knox went down last last week against the Vikings. And so, you know, it was really concerning, again, with this this offensive line, how are they going to be able to uh, fill the gaps when guys go down? And, you know, you already had uh, Knox joined Mikey Apati and rookie guard Phil Haynes and Jordan Simmons, George Fant, and Jamarco Jones. I mean, these are guys that are backups mostly, but they're they're providing depth on this offensive line. And so you know, to have someone like Ethan Posick, according to Liz Matthews, in uh, this post by Andy Patton, uh, she, you know, Andy's talking about the fact that uh, for the most part, Posick has been a, a disappointment in Seattle's career so far. And I, I was one of that, you know, when he was drafted, I kept saying, keep an eye on Posick. I was saying that, uh, you know, for the most part, he, his feet, I, I really like the way he is able to move his feet very, very fluid and fluidly, I guess if that's a word. And so Posick uh, came in, and, and he's been able to play center, guard, and tackle. And so that's definitely going to win the coaches over if he can play those three positions and be versatile. And so, and, you know, my original mock projections for who's going to be on this team, I, I, I had Posick out. And, again, a lot of the, you know, four weeks ago when I put that out, you don't know who's injured. You don't know who's stepping up. You have no clue. Um, and so to have a bunch of guys go down and to have Postic number one stay healthy is a good thing. But then when he gets in there, he's able to play various parts of the offensive line. That's always a good thing. And so, I, again, I'm, I'm, when I talk about later on this in this podcast, I'm going to talk about who I think is my uh, my second uh, round of projected, uh, you know, who's going to be on this team. Again, that's what this po- podcast is about, is is taking a look at the team from the general manager's point of view. And so another news, the our friend Liz Matthews again. I really want to thank Liz. She does a great job of posting things that I think um, are really, really intriguing. And again, our, our friend Addie Patton puts out another post on Seahawks Wire that uh, for the for the most part, last Sunday's game against the Vikings provided no clarity at Nickelback for the Seahawks. And you know, it is ever since we we lost Justin Coleman to free agency. You know, we're trying to figure out who the heck is going to be our our every down nickel uh, cornerback, and that's a really big part of 
this defense only because, you know, uh, for the most part, Seattle in, employs that and enjoys that uh, that nickel. And, you know, we've had some really great nickelbacks come through and have left for, in free agency just because uh, the way that – and I don't think Justin Coleman, I think, and the other ones that have played – uh, nickel for other teams are going to do as well as the ones that you know how we feature it here and so you have got you know guys that uh for the most part have played in the league uh in you know jamar taylor and akeem king and then kaylin reed who's hasn't played a whole lot in his career and ugo amadi these are the guys that are really gunning for that that starting nickel position and Jamar Taylor uh, has been in there uh, for in that position. He's played for the Cleveland Browns in the past. I was rooting for Akeem King, uh, but openly I don't think I've seen enough of Akeem King. And I'll talk a little bit more about the the lineup and who I think is going to be in uh, the the second round of projected guys that are going to be on this team. In other news, our friend Brady Henderson. Uh, talks a lot about how and posted this week that the Seahawks are eager to use Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, and all the other running backs in the passing game. And, you know, we saw that a little bit yesterday in uh, the preseason game against the Los Angeles Chargers, how, the, you know, the, the wheel route is what it's called to be able to take a running back and, you know, have him in the backfield and all of a sudden kind of uh, do like a, a half moon from the running back position and try to find an open spot in the in the zone or against the one-on-one coverage of a maybe a a middle linebacker who's kind of eyeballing that running back and it's good to see that the Seahawks are wanting to employ that you know it's a it could be a really dangerous uh you know uh, kind of a play for off our defenses to try to cover and if you got, you know, your running backs all know how to catch the ball, I think probably out of the running backs we currently have, uh, J.D. McKissick is probably our best receiver uh, running back that we have. Uh, Rashad Penny did really good and did well there. And Chris Carson, you know, there's been a few times where the ball might maybe wasn't uh, 100% on target and either he missed it, read it, or, or it just didn't get to him. But um I don't know. I'm a little concerned about about uh, Carson in the in the passing game, but you know if you can get all three or four of your running backs that can can catch the ball out of the backfield, that's very dangerous. And uh, you know, are they going to run it to him? Are they going to throw it? Um, those are all really good things. I think if we can get a a running and blocking and catching fullback, that's even more dangerous. And so. Um, in other news, the field goals guys uh, posted this week about Dem- Demetrius Knox going on the injured reserve. So he's out for the season, and that's not good. You know, it says rookie year, Seattle drafted him and hoping that he could provide depth on that def- offensive line. And so, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But Landon Turner comes in uh, for now, and Seattle re- re- uh, signed him to a short-term contract. And so in other news, Liz Matthews uh, posted this week again on Seahawks Wire that Jerron Brown is making a case for a spot in the starting lineup. And absolutely, uh, you know, I originally had uh, Jerron Brown in in, on this team, on this roster. And a lot of people said, well, last year he didn't really perform very well because, 
you know, maybe Seattle just didn't use him or Russell Wilson didn't find him uh, last year. And I loved him when he was in Arizona. I, I mean, I hated to play against him because he was always getting those 15 plus yard uh, receptions and, you know, finding the the, the zone and, and, and a comfortable spot in the zone and being able to, to get open. And so, of course, this preseason, and again, I'll talk a little bit about who I think is going to be on this team. But I think definitely Jerron Brown makes the team and, and is definitely one of our starters. In other news this week, our, our own DK Metcalf went underwent surgery and seahawkswire.usatoday.com reported out that he went on surgery, that they found minimal findings which is good. I think that it was more one of those things where you just go in there and clean up the knee. And you think about, you know, guys that did that this week. Uh, Geno Smith did that a few weeks ago, and so did Bobby Wagner. And they're they're already back playing. And so it'll be interesting to find out if um, DK Metcalf is going to play in week four of the preseason against Oakland in Seattle. Um, I think he does. I think he, he, you know, we'll see how he does in practice this week if he's going to be practicing. But I'm, I know that all the all all intentions are is that he's going to be playing in week one uh, so far. In other news, Bob Gondota reported out this week that Pete Carroll said today he thought or this week that Mikey Potty comes back soon. But if they're not comfortable going with him, then Ethan Posick will be the starter at left guard to start the season. And again, I said this last Sunday in la, in my last podcast, I'm really, really concerned about Mike Upati. As much as I love him, and I think that it's great that he's on our team. Uh, I, I'm worried about him. If he's going to be injuring himself during practice and, you know, he can't stay healthy, um, you're going to need Ethan Posick even more. You're going to need somebody like him that can stay healthy and to hopefully provide the push on the running the running game, that's exactly why you brought Mikey Apati in, was to um, be able to provide that that push. Um, and so we'll see how Mikey Apati does this week in practice, and hopefully he comes back and can start week one. In other news, Liz Matthews reported out this week on SeahawksWire.usatoday.com that Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo will both factor into the pass rush. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. I'm not going to, talk, I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, Pro Football Focus this week uh, talked a lot about uh, after two preseason games, uh, linebacker Austin Calitro has the best overall grade at 84.0 on the Seahawks defense. And so I haven't seen uh, this week's Pro Football Focus. And it's good to see Austin Calitro um, perform. And again, I, I originally did, I had him as a bubble guy four weeks ago and I was looking at this roster and like, man, we're just so, so deep on the linebacking crew that how are we going to get guys like Austin Kalitra on this team? Um, he also had the second best run defense uh, at 86.0, which is a solid B and the best coverage grade at 71.8, which is a low C. Um, that kind of concerns me though. If he's got the best coverage grade out of all of the Seahawks defense at a C minus. Uh, I think we, I'm hoping that that number goes up. Um, and so uh, we'll see there how the pro football focus rates the, the team's defense after the yesterday's uh, Los Angeles Chargers game. In other news, our own uh, 710 ESPN Seattle did a really good interview with Bobby Wagner, B-Wags, and it was talking about 
the fact that uh, he had said that there was good reason to negotiate his own contract. And here's a little clip of uh, Brock and Sock uh, talking to Bobby Wagner right here. Um, it was fun. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say stress, but there was a lot that kind of went into it. But uh, I had been um, thinking about it and preparing for it for a while. Uh, I felt like I did my homework, reached out to various different people in different avenues that negotiate deals that's not just um, football. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like that helped me prepare for that. Um, and, you know, it was fun. I, I was grateful that, you know, they gave me a, a true opportunity. Thank you so much to the 710 crew for that great interview with Bobby Wagner. And again, this podcast is all about the general manager position and being able to look at a team and say, how do we make it better? And definitely Bobby Wagner makes this team so much better. We're so happy when they were able to re-sign and extend Bobby Wagner. And if you're Bobby Wagner, what a great learning experience this had to have been for him to be able to you know, take something that is his life and be able to say, okay, here's my old contract. I'm going to take the things I like about it. I'm going to put that into the new contract. I'm going to take a look at other uh, contracts around the league and be able to, you know, ask some for some mentorship. And so kudos to him and, and being able to get that done. And, you know, negotiation of contracts is not easy to be able to, to look at the fine print, be able to make sure that you're doing the best to protect yourself and to take the middleman out and be able to say, okay, you know, talking to John Schneider and talking to Pete Carroll, you know, that had to have been really hard to hear some of the things that they had to say to him and why they didn't think that a number that maybe he was proposing to the team uh, was worth it. And so kudos to him for for having to, to have thick skin to be able to get that done. And so... Well, that's, and speaking of getting things done, the Seahawks brass do have a big, big question to answer at the end of this week. A week from today, we're going to find out you know, who's going to be on this team. And so my second round projections of, of this team's roster in looking at the first three games, because really next week against Oakland or this Thursday against Oakland really are the bubble guys that are going to be playing and the starters most likely will not be playing. If they do, it might be just one, you know, series on both sides of the ball. And so, you know, I'm, the things that I'm really, really happy about with this team is that, of course, you know, everything is, is sort of with a grain of salt because it's preseason and everybody's not playing, I don't think, is you know, 100%, 100% of the time. And so, you know, what are you really getting out of the preseason games? How are you really trying to evaluate your team when you don't you don't have that kind of luxury to be able to say okay after three full games we had a hundred percent effort on both sides of the ball and special teams to be able to realize what you really have and so you kind of just try to take trends and to say okay based on the trends of what we saw over the first three preseason games these are the guys that performed well and consistent enough for me to feel comfortable about going into the regular season. And really, you know, other teams are going to be cherry picking off of this of the Seahawks squad because that's what they do. They see that Seattle is, you know, really deep in some position 
And don't get me wrong, you know, John Schneider's going to be doing the same thing. He's going to cherry pick off other teams and say, oh, man, you know, we have this guy, but this other guy that just got released, uh, we've had our eye on him since before he was drafted. And let's bring him onto the squad, and he'd fit nicely in this role. And so don't, uh, you know, this the second round or second projection that I have before I, I give my final one before, uh, you know, the, the next Sunday is sort of with a grain of salt um, because of all those reasons. But let's start, of course, with the quarterback position because that's the number one position of uh, everybody's looking at. Of course, you got Russell Wilson. And out of the, the, the two backups between Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith, I got Geno Smith winning that. Um, I, I like Paxton Lynch's grit. I like his toughness. I like the fact he knows how to run, but so does Geno Smith. Geno just kind of looked more like a starting quarterback when he was in there than Paxton. And that's kind of tough for Paxton. I think, uh, you know, he's been trying so hard to get back into this league. And uh, he was out all of last year. And to see him come back and try to to win that uh, second backup or that backup position was really important for me to see. Um, I could see why he might have been a a first-round draft pick. And so... Uh, I think he's going to be in Indianapolis openly. I think Paxton Lynch becomes the backup in uh, Indianapolis with the fact that uh, Andrew Luck had you know, just retired yesterday, which we didn't talk about in the news segment of this podcast. And, you know, Paxton Lynch is a good guy. I think he's going to be in this league. I think he'll be a backup somewhere. Eventually he'll get picked up. I think he's got enough tape to be able to prove that. Um, but Geno Smith has definitely uh, been showing glimpses that he can throw the ball. He's got a little bit more poise when he's getting pressured. Um, doesn't just take off running like Paxton Lynch did. And so, and, and Geno still has wheels. Even though he had that surgery a few weeks ago, he proved against the Chargers that he knows how to run and he can still you know, tuck the ball underneath his armpit and go with it. All right, and the other position, running back. Of course, Chris Carson makes it, Rashad Penny. And so now the discussion is between J.D. McKissick and C.J. Procise. And gosh darn it, if C.J. Procise was about to, to get cut or released prior to Sunday or Saturday's game against the Chargers, I don't know any guy that just comes back from the dead better than C.J. Procise. <laughs> um, I originally had C.J. Procise off this team. I had him on the injured reserve list and you know, with the possibility of being able to come back in week seven just because that's what his trend has been. I mean, I, I'm openly surprised that I haven't seen a tweet coming out of Renton saying C.J. You know, is sore this morning and is going to be out of practice all week. You know, But I think it because of his lack of durability, and the fact that this team is need, has bigger needs in other positions, I don't see C.J. Procise on this team. If Seattle can try to spin him and get him like a get for it like a seventh round draft pick for him, that would be amazing. But I highly doubt that other teams will will kick the tires on C.J. I think he's going to be uh, cut and will not be on this team. I think J.D. McKissick did a, a really good job this preseason so far, being able to again show that he can run the ball. He can catch the ball from the backfield and make some moves. He still has lightning quick speed, and and he can still uh, be able to be a very dangerous person, including the special teams, which we haven't seen too much of him returning kicks. You don't really want Tyler Lockett back there doing that. 
especially if he's your number, number one receiver. And so to have J.D. McKissick be on this team is very valuable. I like C.J. Procise's. I've always liked his ceiling. You know, he, he's got a really good way of being able to, uh, you know, be able to run the ball in between lanes and actually take tackles and take on hits. But his durability, that's the only reason why I don't think he makes the team. The wide receivers uh, group is another really interesting group that I'm really concerned about in terms of who you keep. You got so many good, good guys on this team and some investments that you made to try to get this wide receiving room um, stacked with a good receiving core that you can rely on that Russell Wilson can throw the ball down to and be able to know that these guys will catch the ball. And so originally I had <clears throat> uh, the the guys I had on this team, of course, were uh, various guys, but who I think doesn't make it, unfortunately, uh, what I haven't seen in the last three three games and haven't seen since he got here was Amara Dar- Darbo. Amara Darbo, again, I don't even know if I've even seen him catch a ball this preseason. And I've seen him play in, in training camp, and he seems to do okay there. But And he's just a, a big-bodied wide receiver that Seattle – you know, invested a third round draft pick on what I hate to say it, but that has been one of the one of the worst p- uh, pickups and draft picks that we've got over the last five or six years. Uh, what a what a real disappointment that Darbo's been. And I bet you a hundred bucks he goes you know to the Patriots or some other team and just really shows off why we drafted him in the third round. Um, are they going to try to stash him uh, in the uh, practice squad? Maybe. But I think Darbo's definitely not going to be on the starting roster or the 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 sixty three man roster, unfortunately. Uh, Keenan Reynolds is another guy I was rooting for. Uh, I originally had him on this roster, but again, I think he, he hasn't shown enough in three weeks, and definitely not going to be able to um, uh, show that he can be on this team against the Raiders on Thursday. I think he's definitely out. I think he'll be a practice squad candidate as well. So. The question now is, do Seattle, uh, do they employ five guys on the wide receiving or six guys? And so you got Tyler Lockett, your number one. Most likely number two is Jerron Brown or Jaron Brown, however you want to call him. <laughs> DK Metcalf is your third. David Moore, who is, was out and might be out for uh, some significant time with a shoulder injury, is also a guy that you I've been wondering, do we keep David Moore or not? You got guys behind him like John Ursula, who I'm so, so excited to see. A lot of people look at John Ursula as another Doug Baldwin. You know, he Doug Baldwin wore number fifteen. He had that speed and the 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 eyes and the you know being able to the, the hands to catch that football, take on hits just like Doug Baldwin did. So I definitely believe John Ursula makes this team, and I had him pegged at the beginning of uh, four weeks ago. I had John Ursula on this roster. So now do you keep Gary Jennings Jr., number 11? And again, he's flashed in, in training camp, and but has he flashed in uh, preseason? And, if, you know, Saturday's game, he had a, a blindside block that was right in front of us as we were watching. And, yeah, I don't I don't think you have – uh, Gary Jennings on this team, I think you try to stash him on the practice squad, and that's a humongous risk to do. 
But I think Seattle, because of the other needs on this team, you're going to have five guys make the wide receiving um, core. And so you can't have six guys. So unfortunately, Gary Jennings Jr., I think, after three weeks, and I don't think he's going to pull it off against Oakland, um, is no longer uh, on my projected um, roster. He's definitely a practice squad guy. And a lot of that is because he just hasn't had enough film, game film. I don't think another team looks at, you know, the limited time he's been on the field and pluck him off the practice squad. I think he can stay down there. And especially if David Moore is out, then maybe you can um, put Gary Jennings on this team at the beginning. But once David Moore comes back, I think Gary Jennings gets placed down in the uh, practice squad after that. In the tight ends, of course, Ed Dixon went into the season as your number one tight end, but uh, unfortunately for him, he's out, and I think he's definitely going to be out of this team. I think they're going to. I think Seattle feels really good with three tight ends: Nick Vanette, which I'm. I had Nick Vanette off this team because if Ed Dixon was healthy, I think between the two of them, you have uh, Ed Dixon wins against Nick Vanette all day, all day. But because of Nick Vanette's familiarity with the team, you know, he was a high draft pick when we got him, he stays. And, you know, I bet, though, if a guy, a starting tight end is out there that is from another team that gets dropped, I think Seattle will kick the tires on him, especially if he fits this offensive scheme. And maybe he's someone that Mike Solari knows and, and he had to be a perfect fit. I think that would be the only way that Nick Vanette doesn't make this team. But definitely Will Disley makes this team and, and is your projected number one tight end in the in the near future. Uh, you know, he came back from uh, that, de- that devastating injury he had last year and came back like a champ. And he still continues to provide that spark on offense. He can run, uh, block, he can catch. And then Jacob Hollister... He's another guy that, you know, I, I'm got high hopes for him and, you know, comes to us with from the New England Patriots. And I think that he makes the squad. And so you got Nick Vanette, Will Disley, and Jacob Hollister as your three tight ends going into the season. I think uh, the fullback Nick Ballore makes the team. He, we didn't haven't featured him yet too much, but I think he's another guy that can uh, also catch from the backfield, which is a, a very, very important. So there's your uh, some of the guys there on offense on your on your offensive line. Of course, Dwayne Brown makes it. George Fant, who's been questionable, but he's going to be ready for Week One, makes the team. Left guard, of course, Mikey Potty, and then we talked about Ethan Posick earlier. Earlier, uh, four weeks ago, I had Ethan Posick off this roster, but of course, we've been not ta- talking about his versatility, and he's been playing well enough to be able to stick onto this team. Uh, you still got to have some depth on that left guard because of Yapati's questionable uh, track record and being able to stay durable. So I think Marcus Martin is the guy that gets the, the nod. Unfortunately, I think Jordan Roos does not. He does not make this team. Justin Britt. Some people were talking about this week, you know, would Seattle trade Justin Britt? And, you know, they had him in some trade scenarios with Houston Texans. And maybe, uh, you know, doing a one-for-one swap, Justin Britt for Jadavian Clowney. 
And, you know, that I, if that was the case, I would say no, only because I like Justin Britt. I've liked him um, since we've got him and, and has done a, a, you know, Pro Bowl season last year. And why would you trade a Pro Bowl guy for a pass rusher? I don't think you do that. I think if your your goal and your window is now, you need to have that depth on the offensive line. Joey Hunt's been good. I mean, he's he's a, a lunch pail guy. He comes in there, you know, undersized and seems to be able to take on those gigantic defensive tackles really, really well. But I don't think he's your everyday or every down center. I think it's great that they could spell Justin Brett every now and then to get Joey in there. But you know, I definitely don't think that you get rid of Justin or Joey and you leave him on this team. Right guard, of course, DJ Fluker, Jordan Simmons, who's been all injured all preseason. We haven't seen him yet, which is actually kind of a good thing, only because if he does come back, then you know that's going to be a good thing uh, for this offensive line. Phil Haynes, again, another guy we drafted this year who just hasn't uh, been able to, f- to find his way on the squad. I think that, again, because we we cut our wide receiver group, down to five guys, you're able to, to keep another guy like Phil Haynes on the offensive line. So I have him as your third right guard behind Jordan Simmons and DJ Fluker. I think you got to keep Phil Haynes. He's a big body guy. Um, he's shown flashes in, in college that he can be one of those uh, guys that can, can move up your roster and the depth chart. Jermaine Effetti, uh, makes it to the team, of course. And then Jamarco Jones will be the backup. And even though he's been questionable this preseason, uh, unfortunately, Elijah Nkansa is not going to make the team. You saw what he tried to do when he was in there last week against Minnesota. He just doesn't have the feet to be able to back up enough to um, play in this offensive line. I think that you know maybe he, he gets on some other, some other team. On defense... I think the big glaring hole, of course, is pass rush. And, you know, of course, you got Zeke and Ansa. You got him in there as your starting left defensive end and Cassius Marsh, Rasheem Green. I unfortunately don't think Nazir Jones makes this team, even though I think we need depth on the defensive line. I think if there's another guy out there that's, you know, gets you know released by their team, Seattle kicks the tires on uh, maybe a different pass rusher. We haven't even talked about, like, uh, other guys that are out there just on the street, Nick uh, Perry, whatever happened to him? I know he was somebody that Seattle was kicking the tires on at one time. Uh, Al Woods and Earl Mitchell, of course, make the team. Quentin Jefferson makes the team. I think Jamie Meter, I like Jamie's uh, you know mentality. I think he's got a, a real um, grit to him. But I think Meter, if anything, is going to be on the practice squad. Jaron Reed, of course, is suspended until week seven. So that's, again, why you, you got Puna Ford, who's going to be your best defensive lineman this this season, uh, even when Jaron Reed comes back. I think that uh, Puna, of course, in his year two, is just showing that flash. If he can stay healthy, look out for big things with Puna Ford. DeMarcus Christmas just hasn't been on the squad long enough to be able to beat him on the roster. I think he becomes a practice squad candidate. LJ Collier, of course, we haven't seen him this preseason, but he'll be uh, in on this roster. And we already talked about Quentin Jefferson. Barkevius Mingo and Brandon Jackson, you know, those are two guys, again, 
that we're leaning on to provide pass rush. And if you don't have that pass rush in three weeks of preseason, which is what I'm saying, that's really, really concerning to me, then I think that out of all these guys that we're really expecting to provide pass rush, I haven't seen one guy except for Puna Ford that's been very consistently getting in the backfield, being able to, you know, I'm sure pro football focus probably has other, uh, you know, things that, that they've seen that proves me wrong. But, you know, I'm really concerned about pass rush. And if, if Jadavian Clowney is sitting there saying, I don't want to be in Houston, and the you know, Seahawks waited out long enough for them to be able to uh, flip him and be able to get him on this roster, I think you pull the trigger. I think that last week I was saying we shouldn't do it, and I gave various reasons why. But if you can, you know, get away with a one-year sort of kick the tires on Clowney for a second, maybe two second-round draft picks, then then pull the trigger, and you know we pick up his uh, fifteen or sixteen million dollar roster, uh, you know uh, his contract for this year, and then you just say to yourself, okay, if we can get Ansa and and Clowney, and figure out which of those two guys you're going to keep for twenty twenty then I think that's a good move. But again, I, I think the difference, though, is the fact that Seattle's got that $10 million that were, was originally slotted for Doug Baldwin that now is kind of sitting there for grabs. Like who you could kind of splurge a little bit on defense or in, on some position if you need to to be able to get a guy like Clowney. So in theory, you could have Ansa and Clowney in there for the long term or the midterm anyway and get away with it because your wide receiving group that um, is mostly rookies um, you can you you know and you're leaning on those guys that are kind of uh, you know smaller contracts you can splurge and get a clowny if Seattle's window for getting deep in the playoffs is now you just signed Russell Wilson to a long-term contract you just signed Bobby Wagner and these guys are now in their heyday. This this is the, the bread and butter of what you got on both sides of the ball. Then you invest. You've got $20 million this year. You could pay a clowny, $15, 16000000 million of it. Or if you wanted to, like I said, get them into a, a three- or four-year deal and cut that down, that, that $20 million or $15 million down to eleven or twelve, and and have incentives, you know, in there for that number cap hit to be lower and then put a lot of that money into next year. You could do that. Seattle's got $60 million for next year. That's just sitting there. And so if you're Seattle, I think this is the time you pull the trigger. You need to, you got to get Clowney in there at least for a week to be before the, the September 8th game. And I think you pull the trigger on Clowney. I just haven't seen enough from the squad that makes me feel good that if you know if you've got a, a pressuring defensive line, you can have an average cornerback squad. But and that's exactly what Seattle has. We don't have Sherman. We don't have, you know, Byron Maxwell on the other side. These guys were really good in their system. That that they did a really good job of breaking up passes. Well, I'm not seeing that. We need pass rush. If Seattle wants to be an above-average uh, defense, and I said this last week, Seattle's going to have to. It's currently, the pressure's on the offense to score 30 points a game. 
if they're going to win 11 games or more this season. If they don't score 30 points, we're going to lose and we'll be probably 9-7 and seven on the season because this defense isn't doing its job to, you know, when the pass rush is there and it's evident and it's consistent, we are unstoppable because the way that this defense is set and the way that the scheme that we employ, you can't have a, a nickel cornerback blitz every game or every every down. You can't have Bobby Wagner blitzing or K.J. Wright blitzing or, or Michael Kendricks blitzing every down. You need that pass rush because, you know, otherwise the tight ends are going to be wide open. Whatever tight end uh, is on that, you know, whatever linebacker goes in, the tight end goes in that space and is wide open. So you need pass rush. That's exactly what this team is is missing. It's as you know. I'm thankful that's not the offensive line. You know, again, we haven't seen too much on this preseason in terms of number one defenses to see if our offensive line really can pass block and can really mow down defensive lines yet. Pass rush is what you need. We don't have it currently, and, and we haven't seen Collier. We haven't seen Ansa. But I'm not going to hedge my bets that those two guys are going to be, especially the first four games of the season. You got Drew Brees you're playing. You got Roethlisberger. How are you going to beat those guys if they're not being pressured? They statistically, every quarterback, maybe minus Russell Wilson, does poorly when they've got guys in their ears. When they've got defensive players in their ears, they mostly do worse. Who's the guys that are going to be in those quarterbacks' ears? I don't see it currently. In the linebacker core, of course, you got K.J. Wright. You've got uh, – and, and the thought about Shaquem Griffin, he's definitely a bubble guy. But because he provides really great depth on special teams, you keep Shaquem Griffin. Jawan Johnson is gone. Haven't really heard about him this preseason of course, your middle linebackers, Bobby Wagner, Cody Barton, and Ben Burkhurvin, BBK, they make the team. So you've got five linebackers, uh, along with Michael Kendricks, Jacob Martin, Austin Calitro, all make the team. And so you've got, traditionally, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six actual linebackers on this team. And again, you have to have... If your defensive line is not going to do it, you definitely got to have those guys. You know, Calitro, BBK, Barton, those guys are going to be great on special teams. You need them. Justin Curry, never even heard of him. Not even in training camp. He's gone. Your strong safety, of course, is Bradley McDougald, Lano Hill, Marquise Blair. Those guys make the team. Jalen Harvey's gone. Didn't even hear about Jalen Harvey all, all preseason. TT is your, your free safety. And then Shalom Luani, because of his special teams, he makes the team. Marwan Evans, uh, haven't even really heard too much about him. But, of course, Ugo Amadi uh, makes the squad. And I said that for a month ago when I was looking at the roster. I love Ugo. <coughs> Ugo's awesome. <laughs> I think he's going to be a, another guy that, again, Another diamond in the rough that nobody wanted, and Seattle picked him up in the draft. So then you got your your well, who I'm calling an average cornerback team 
the way I see it. And I, I'm not trying to disrespect the guys. I think they've got, you know, it's tough being a cornerback in this league because it's such a quarterback-driven league that you have to be on your game, literally every play. And we've seen and heard, uh, you know, the criticism with Shaquille Griffin that he gets keeps getting beat deep. And I think this is kind of where you miss Earl Thomas. You miss a guy that can kind of notice that uh, one of his teammates is getting beat, so he kind of plays over there. And if a guy is getting beat deep, he's over there to provide some help. And so, you know, is Bradley McDougal that guy to help him? Is TT able to do that? I'm really concerned about that part of, of the defense. Can Seattle be able to plug that hole? Can Shaquille Griffin figure out how to make sure he doesn't get beat deep? And some of those those deep passes that Shaquille Griffin was was um, having to defend, those were some really great passes. I'm not going to take anything away from the quarterbacks either. But Trey Flowers has been pretty solid, I guess. I mean, I guess slightly above average. I haven't seen we haven't seen him get beat too much this preseason. But backing them up, of course, is Nico Thorpe and Akeem King. I think they both make the team. And then Jamar Taylor makes the team as the nickel. I'm not too happy with Jamar Taylor. I know he had some some flashes there in Cleveland. But if he's gonna be your your starting nickel, I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not hundred percent on Jamar Taylor. And again, if there's another guy out there that's kind of floating around that that another team dropped and can maybe Seattle can can pick him back up. Um, I think you do. Uh, we haven't even talked about uh, Deshaun Shedd. I'm surprised on my my uh, current roster I have. I don't have Deshaun Shedd on the depth chart, and he's definitely going to be on this team. I think you're going to have Deshaun Shedd. He's a, he provides great uh, opportunity for for veteran presence. Uh, he's shown it in the preseason with that pick six against Minnesota. And so you definitely have Deshaun Shedd. If he needs to come in there and play free safety for you, you can. You can put him in as a cornerback. And so if he's your nickel, which I think that might be the case, maybe Deshaun Shedd becomes your nickel. And I know he's definitely better than Jamar Taylor. Uh, Jeremy Boykins is gone. Kalen Reed is probably a practice squad, and Simeon Thomas is probably a practice squad. And finally, your special teams, of course, Jason Myers, who missed an extra point. What the heck was that about? I haven't even seen any kind of response from Jason Myers. I've watched him in training camp nail 55 and 60-yard field goals like he did against the Chargers. He's that good. Uh, Maybe it was just a really bad hold by Michael Dixon. Of course, he's our starting punter. And, you know, again, that, that shank that he did, people were like, man, he shanked the ball. I think he did that on purpose. The way that this guy can punt the ball, I wouldn't. I would not put it past Michael Dixon, and the guy's kind of playing a practical joke on, on Pete Carroll. And you saw the other uh, coaches were probably in on it too, how they kind of stayed away. It was Pete Carroll by himself, and he, he, he you know, Michael Dixon kicks the ball, punts it right to Pete Carroll, and he catches it, and it just fired up the whole team. And I think they were all in on it. I think it was uh, it was on purpose, is what I'm going to say. And of course, your your number one punt returner is Tyler Lockett, but I don't think that's the case. 
I think Tyler Lockett is, you know, they'll they'll put him in there when they need it. If it's deep in the game and you need someone to give us get a spark, maybe Seattle's down by ten and you know it's like eight minutes left in the game and you need that that spark, then you put Tyler Lockett back there to return punts. But I think you got other guys on the team. I've seen it in practice uh, training camp where DK Metcalf was even returning kicks. You have uh, Ugo Amadi who can return kicks. Unfortunately, he didn't do very well against the Chargers. You have other guys, uh, David Moore, who can return kicks if he's going to be on the squad. Rashad Penny can return kicks. So, of course, your long snapper is Tyler Ott, and he just signed an, an extension to stay on the squad. So there's my, 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 my thoughts on the roster, some of the things I'm concerned about, and guys who I think are going to make the team, guys who I think are going to be on the practice squad, um, so I'm hoping for, uh, of course, a really good, uh, you know, roster. We just need a, a, a team that's going to go into Seattle week one against Cincinnati and just kill it. You know, are they going to have that mentality? Do they have that swag? Uh, are they gelling as a team? I think they are definitely gelling as a team. I, I really do. I think that um, they're going to be the, – the young guys on this team are are really hungry. They want to be in this league. I think the coaching staff has done a great job so far being able to coach them up. And, you know, they want you to forget. Those rookies and second-year guys want us to forget Doug Baldwin, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman – that's what they want. They they want the you know people always say, gosh, you know, Seattle's not going to do well because they they lost Earl Thomas, they lost Richard Sherman, no more Cam Chancellor, no Cliff Averill. They're going to be eight and eight. I'm telling you, that's what they were saying last year, and I kept saying they're going to win ten games. They won ten games. A lot of that's just because of coaching and being able to get the next man up. Seattle's going to do that this year. It'll be next man up again. And now that you've got a top three quarterback, and he's proven that this preseason, and you've got guys returning back from from injury that you need, like Will Disley, you've got a deep linebacking core and a deep, probably the best starting linebacking core in the league. Kendricks, you got K.J. Wright, you got, of course, B-Wags. That's that's important. And then, of course, if Fluker and Yapati can stay healthy in the offensive line, you're going to have the number one running team again this year. Chris Carson, I said it a month ago, 1,400 yards rushing. He had 1,100 last year. He stays healthy. It'll be 1,400, and he'll lead, lead the league in rushing yards and probably touchdowns this year. So again, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me. I want to, I think I'm up to like four or 500 listens each week. So thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I appreciate you. Uh, we'll see what Seattle does on Thursday against Oakland and, of course, the opening game against Cincinnati. I'll see you back again next Sunday right here on the General Manager Podcast. Hi, Chika. Thank you so much. Live from beautiful Palm Springs, California.